Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. On the Mount of Transfiguration, we're told that the Lord Jesus began to radiate a light that was so brilliant it made everything he was wearing shine with a brilliant, undescribable light. He was glorious in the dress of light. In our last broadcast, we noted that the Lord Jesus was putting on display the moral glory of his sinless humanity. Today, we take a leap forward in thought and say that Jesus was also showing us what he intended to be the moral glory of human beings. People dressed in the majesty of moral perfection. Christ was not Superman. He was not some expression of some man who had reached zenith of expression that no one else will ever be able to reach. Christ was the total man. He was not the, only the perfect man. He was the intended man. He didn't give us the uncommon man, but what he did was he perfected the complete expression of what the common man was meant to be. He's showing us what God had in his mind when he created man in the first place. G. Campbell Morgan, who was a Bible scholar and teacher at the turn of the 20th century, in fact, there are some people in our church who have discovered the writings of Martin Lloyd-Jones, and they enjoy the writings of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones was basically the assistant pastor as a young man of G. Campbell Morgan. And G. Campbell Morgan has written a number of books himself, and he's a wonderful author. In a book called The Crisis of the Christ, G. Campbell Morgan, for a moment, takes into consideration this understanding of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And this is what he writes. God's humanity, that's speaking of human beings that God has created, has blossomed once in the course of all the ages. And that transfigured man upon the holy mount, flashing in the splendor of a light like the sun, glistening with the glory of a whiteness like that of the snow, and flaming with the magnificent beauty of the lightning which flashes its radiance upon the darkness. That was God's perfect man. That was the realization of the thought that was in the mind of God when he said, let us make man in our own image. That was our potential. That was what might have been and was radiating out from the person of Jesus Christ. Morgan saw that the intended progress that God had planned for humanity ran in a certain order. He actually saw there was kind of three stages that God had plan for Adam and Eve when he created them. The first stage was this, that they would be created in innocence. They would have a life of innocence like Adam and Eve had and like the boy Jesus had because he was born without a sin nature, unlike the rest of us. And then second, they would enter into a time in which they would be tested and tried, but in that time there would be a blossoming, a confirming, a proven holiness that would rise from them. And as a result of that, third, lastly, they would be received into God's heaven, shining with the brilliance, the shining whiteness of a perfected glory. And to G. Campbell Morgan, basically, Adam and Eve only knew the first one, having this moment of innocence in the garden, but they failed in the blossoming test 
of holiness when they were tempted, and they never experienced that being exalted in this sense, in the perfected glory as a result. But where they failed in the last two stages, the Lord Jesus succeeded. He was not only born with total innocence, but he lived in the midst of all the tests and all the trying. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like we were, yet with what? Without sin. And there on the Mount of Transfiguration, the Lord allowed in a moment the glorious perfection, brilliance of that holiness to shine forth for James and John and Adam to see. Well, I actually would rather like to think of it like this. That Adam and Eve were created in perfect moral righteousness. And in that perfect moral righteousness, God resided within them. And as he resided within them, in that moment, they were clothed with the brilliant white light of his holy presence, communing with completely holy creatures. And it radiated out from them. And of course, what we know is they chose and they sinned. And in the moment of their sin, God departed from them. And in that moment, the light went out. And in that moment, they knew they were naked. And how pathetic. That in the place of that brilliance that we see of the Lord Jesus shining on the Mount of Transfiguration, they scramble to find some fig leaves to cover themselves with. And in that moment, what might have been stories and what might have been dreams were born. Tragic accounts of humans longing for something that has been lost. Lost until the Lord Jesus came along and showed us what it was he came to fulfill, and what he came to give us. What's the source of that light? What's the source of the sinlessness, this perfection? Again, I believe it's the light of God's holy presence abiding in the pure and holy place. It is the light that is sparked when an utterly righteous individual comes into full community with the absolute righteous God. It is the life of God filling the soul of men. It is God expressing himself in deep, intimate relationship with those who have been made right before him. And God offers, this is the good news, folks, God offers this light to us anew. He has determined to live his life in us again. The creator would return to the heart of any man and any woman who confesses their need of him. And there, in a new beginning, a light will begin to shine until one day it blossoms and it shall be unveiled in eternity that we are clothed in the utter brilliance of the righteousness and moral perfection and moral glory of the one perfect man, Jesus Christ. We sang it in a song this morning. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are my glorious dress. Midst flaming worlds in these arrayed will I with joy lift up my head. He'll clothe us with his own righteousness. That's the idea of justification. When a person comes to faith in Christ, they are declared just before God. Jesus takes all the punishment before our sins upon himself. He credits to us all of the moral perfections of his own righteousness. We have a tendency to think of this merely in legal terms. We say that justification means that by faith, God makes it as if, just as if I had never sinned. That's how we describe it. But it's not simply a legal declaration where we are innocent and God removes from the record book of his laws all of the statements of our guilt and we're declared innocent before him. It's more than that. Justification is the realization of the righteousness that God requires for any individual to have full and deep and profound relationship with him. 
And when God justifies us, what God does in covering us and filling us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ is in that moment, God puts the light back in us. He puts his own life back in us. He makes us fit for relationship with him. A glowing, wonderful, profound relationship with him. Jesus' moral perfection was most glorious because God communed with him in that holiness. And when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus, what the Lord Jesus does is he extends to us that same perfection and he covers us with it and he fills us with it in order that we might be suited, perfectly suited for communion with God as well, relationship with him. That's, that's the wonder of justification. It's not that I just get to celebrate that my resume is clean now and there's no sin on my record and God sees me as sinless. It's that in seeing that God comes to me and communes with me and lives in me. I made a statement here. I said that there's coming a day when this righteousness will be unveiled in us. And so let me make this the third point. It's the unveiled brilliance of righteousness. And I say the word unveiled because, listen, If you've given your life to the Lord Jesus, in that very moment, he has already transformed you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which we quote often here, says that of Jesus, he was made sin for us in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We've been made that. He's given to us all of his righteousness. He lives within us. He transforms us by that righteousness. But the fact is, You can't see it. You can't see the glowing brilliance brilliance of that moral glory in your life. You still have it within you, but it's encased in a tomb of flesh that produces something other than moral brilliance on a regular basis. It produces sin and failure and an appetite for the things that are not right and disappointment. But there's a day coming when what God has done for you and the clothes that he's put upon you in his righteousness will be revealed to your eyes and you'll see it. Men who had great revelations from God of the glory to come saw that very thing. In the book of Revelation, in Revelation 3.5, John speaks of coming to those who had overcome the world and says that they will be clothed in white raiment. In chapters 4 and 5, he gives a description of the worship that takes place before the throne of God. And there he describes the 24 elders that are seated before the throne of God. And I believe those 24 elders represent the redeemed throughout all the ages. And we're told there that they are dressed in white raiment. In Revelation 7 verse 9 we find a reference to a great multitude that has no number or cannot be numbered from every nation and every tribe and every language of people. And the multitude is standing before the throne and they're clothed in white robes. Get the picture? These, were told, are those who came out of great tribulation, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 19 We have a description of the marriage feast of the bride of the Lamb. This is the assembled redeemed before the throne of God. And there, this is what we read. To her, these are all the redeemed, all the saved, all those who have put their faith in God's saving provision through His Son, Jesus Christ. It says, to her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, 
for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It's Jesus. It's his life in me. There's a day coming when we who have believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord will be discovered, will be unveiled, will be, will be revealed. It will be brought forward that we were and are clothed in the brilliant dress of Christ's own mortal glory and righteousness. We can't see it right now, but in this very hour, if we have trusted in Christ as a Savior, we are clothed in the shining glory and shining light that was seen on the Mount Transfiguration in the person of Jesus Christ. You are clothed in His own righteousness. And just wait. The great moment of heaven will be when we'll see the Lord Jesus in all of His dazzling glory and we'll fall before Him and we'll worship Him. And at that very moment of worship as we bow down, we'll see upon ourselves the same dazzling brilliance. The same light and glory that's shining out from Him will be shining out from us. He'll read our minds. When did this happen? And we'll know and He'll tell us. The moment you believed in me, the moment you received me, even as you were struggling in the battle with the world and the flesh and the devil, this light was yours. I covered you with it. It's me. It's my life abiding and dwelling in you. It's my moral perfection given to you. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may God bless you.